Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Well, I want to jump into uh, the Word today. Um, Yeah, yeah, I believe it's what He wants to do. Imagine that. I've had something ready for a few weeks, and... um, I had a feeling that I might get to preach it this weekend. I didn't know. And then after first service, I thought, well, maybe I just can't hear God at all because I think he's telling me something and then I don't. But I think he's uh, got something he's wanting to do in this service. So uh, let's get our Bibles out. We love the Bible here at the Rhodes Church because we believe it is the sword of the spirit. So we like to hack the devil up in pieces with the word of God. (laughs) That sounds a little violent. Sorry. That's actually scriptural, but... Get your Bibles out. Let's open them up this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I want to pray before I read the word. Father, I just thank you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, just to bring everything that you want brought forth. I just pray that you speak it. Uh, Bring it to life. Bring revelation. Bring clarity. Yeah, we just want to hear from you, Lord. So open up the word, let it be a fire in our bones, and that people will see you and hear you in Jesus' name, amen. We were talking about uh, a lot of things lately, but once upon a time I was preaching on a topic called, you have need of endurance, and uh, I'm going to try and give the last key today to endurance, because I feel like it's important that God's calling us into some endurance, into into endurance as believers. So in Hebrews chapter 10, let's look at verse 35. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. So don't throw away your confidence. It's going to pay off, which has great reward. I give you some uh, previous messages. We talked about casting away confidence and what that means. So you might check that out. But do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of, everybody say the next word, need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You have need of endurance. Need speaks of something that's lacking but is necessary. So when he says you have need of endurance, when the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells the Christians here, the Hebrew Christians, that you have need of endurance, God is speaking something to them, says, hey, you're lacking something that's going to be essential to follow Jesus. And I believe this is a now word for the body of Christ. I know it came to me uh, on October 14th. Uh, our kids pastor, Charlotte, came to me in one time of prayer and gave me this word. And she said, the Lord says you need to endure. There's a call to endure. Endure the trials. Endure the testing. Endure in long suffering. You must Endure. And wow, have I had an opportunity to walk that out since she gave me that word. But God is calling the church universal into this endurance capability that we cannot be easily cast aside, we can't be easily offended, we can't be easily put in a place of discouragement, we can't easily give up, but we must endure. That's what God's speaking to us. So what does the word endurance mean? The word endurance in the Greek language, which the New Testament is written in Greek and Aramaic, 
And the Greek word endurance is two words put together, hupomeno, and meno means to stay, remain, abide, or persist. It's like the idea of don't quit, you stay somewhere, you stay put, you don't budge, you don't move, you persist. That's meno. You stay, you abide, you don't back off, you don't quit. But then hupo, the word hupo means under or beneath. And so it literally means a submission or a yielding to something greater. So you put hupomeno together and the word endurance literally means to stay, remain, abide, or persist because you're submitted or yielded to something greater than you. You're staying put because something greater than you told you to. You kept going because you're yielded to something greater than your feelings. Endurance is where I want to quit, but I'm submitted to something greater than my feelings. Other people are telling me to throw in the towel, to let go, to quit, but I'm yielded to something greater. And this is what the body of Christ needs. They need a voice greater than their feelings, greater than their emotions, greater than the peer pressure. They need submitted and yielded to something greater. That's the only way we're going to endure is we get yielded first to something that says stay. You know, like we train our dogs, stay. Dogs can do better than us sometimes. Stay. So that's what endurance means, to stay under. So we talked about three keys to enduring faith. I gave you two of them already. I'm just going quickly going to mention them. The first key was source. Everybody say source. Source speaks to uh, Mark chapter 4. I gave you this, that the, the people did not, Mark chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, the word was not in them. The Bible says they had no root in themselves Therefore, they did not endure, but for only a short period of time. They didn't endure for only a short period of time. So now, the, the key to the first one, the first key of source, is that we need an internal source of the word and not just an external source. In other words, what somebody else says is great, but I need the word inside of me for me to be able to endure what mom tells me or dad tells me or the preacher tells me or the podcast tells me, that's all great external source, but I need an internal source to be able to endure. Because when nobody else is around, who's going to encourage you? Who's going to pump us up? I need an internal source. I need an internal river that's never running dry. I need someone inside of me that says, hey, I'm going to be your source regardless of what you see here on the outside. I'm not preaching that one, but I feel it a little bit right now. First key is source. Everybody say source. Move on. Second key. Second key is scope. Everybody say scope. Scope, scope speaks of focus. So we've got source. We've got scope. Focus. Based on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, For we do not look, and that word look there is the Greek word scopeo, where we get scope. We do not scope or focus our attention on or give all of our focus to the things which are seen, but to the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? They are temporary, but the things which are not seen are 
eternal, forever, everlasting. So what God is telling us, we don't scope on the temporary stuff. We scope on the eternal stuff. I close my eye to the temporary and I focus on what Jesus has for me in eternal. So number one, source, I need an internal source. Number two, scope, I need an eternal focus. Did you catch that? So to be able to endure, I need two things. I need an internal source, God on the inside of me, not just what I hear, but also need an eternal focus. Because how many knows what we're dealing with sometimes? We just need to be able to look at it and go, you are temporary. I know you are intense in my face right now. I know you're trying to ruin my life. I know something, nothing else seems bigger or more important, but you are temporary. Sometimes we got to be able to look at some discouraging situations, eyeball to eyeball, and say, you too shall pass. Because the things that are seen are temporary. You know that word temporary? Oh, it means transitory. That means passing from one place to another. It's a transition moment. Sometimes we get discouraged in the midst of transition moments where God intends for us to pass through and we want to build a campfire and stay there forever. And God says, it's just a transition time. Don't scope on it. You're not going to be here long. We're not preaching that one either, but it's a good one. Second key. Everybody say scope. Here's the one we're going to hit today. Woo, third key to endurance is stamina. Everybody say stamina. 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 Look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. Whoo, I feel the Holy Spirit. But we don't live our life based on feelings. But. For you have need of endurance. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading 36 again. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while, and he who is coming shall come. And will not tarry. For yet a little while, Jesus is coming. Anybody encouraged that Jesus is coming back? Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Hey, for a little while. Now this was written 2,000 years ago. And he was saying a little while. So don't get discouraged when God says you in a little bit, it's going to get better. And you're like, I've been waiting for three days. Now you know how the Hebrew people felt. In a little while, Jesus is going to be coming. And he will not tarry. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. And what is he saying? In a little while, and I'm going to point east because that's where Jesus is going to return from. In a little while, he who's coming is going to come. And all these, all these naysayers who say that religion is just a crutch, a bunch of make-believe stuff. He's going to come. He's, gonna, he's really going to come. It's going to be incredible. But he says, for now, the just shall live by faith. Notice how he's putting that together. For yet a little while, his coming will come and he will not tarry. But now, right now, in the now, until he comes, the just shall live by what? By all right, so until we see him with our eye, how are we supposed to live? By faith. By faith. It says just supposed to live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? The word faith means, are you ready for this? To be persuaded, convinced, or certain of something so that your actions correspond with what you believe. This is faith. This is biblical faith. 
to be persuaded, convinced, or certain of something so that your actions correspond with what you believe. I'm going to give you some things about faith you need to write down. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, grab your neighbor's paper and write these down. (laughs) First one, first one about faith. Faith is a requirement for the believer to please God. It's a requirement. It's not an option. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, For it is impossible to please God without faith. For he who believes, uh, he who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It is impossible to please God without faith. So in order to please him, we need what? We need We need faith. What does that mean? That means that we need to be persuaded, convinced, or certain of something so that our actions actions correspond with what we believe. In order to please God, that definition has to be legit. We're teaching us a little bit because I want us to understand what faith means. For us to please God, we cannot bypass. Come on, discipleship training time. We cannot bypass the principle of walking by faith. We have to live by faith. That means in order to please him, I have to be persuaded, convinced of something. So that my actions mirror what I say I believe. I will not please God if my actions are different from what I say. Second thing you need to write down. If you like that one, you'll love this one. Faith is believing without The validation of feelings or the sense realm. Faith, true faith, is believing without the validation of feelings or the sense realm. I just want to throw in um, Kim or whoever. I'm going to let you know when to come up today. Okay? Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in. You guys keep writing notes. I'm talking to other people. Faith is believing without the validation of feelings or the sense realm. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by... In order to walk in faith, we cannot depend on validation from feelings or the sense realm. If it's... We cannot live by the... Well, I have to believe it to see it. Or sorry, I got to see it to believe it. Not if we're going to walk by faith. If we're going to give up because we don't feel like it, then we're never going to enter into faith. Faith has to have a validation beyond what we feel. Well, I don't feel free. Miranda said, the Lord is here to bring freedom to those with anxiety. Well, I still feel this way. It doesn't matter what I feel. What are you persuaded and convinced about? What do you believe? To get into faith on what God's saying to you, we have to receive it by faith. We walk by faith and not by, so the sense realm can't be our validation. We got to move on to something that we believe. Next one. Faith will require a decision. Oh, Jesus. This is a good one. This is a good one. (laughs) Faith will require a decision. What does the definition of faith say again? It says persuaded, convinced, or certain. That's not hoping, wishing, or thinking. Faith 
will require a decision. I'm persuaded. Is that present tense or past tense? Past tense. So I've arrived at a decision. I've been persuaded. That means there was a time where I was under persuasion by different influences. I was taking in what God said. I was taking in what I said. I was taking in what others said. I was taking in what I feel. All these factors were going together while I was under persuasion. But at some point, we have to be persuaded. Notice how it ends in dead. So that means... Everything that goes against God has to die. To be persuaded means I'm alive to what God says and dead to what I feel. <laughs> Have to be persuaded, convinced, or certain. If we, if we are waiting to see, we are not in faith, we are in hope. That's not negative, but we're just not there yet. This is not to bring discouragement. This is to help us learn. God says without faith it is impossible to please him. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen here. If I'm still saying things like, well, this, oh, Jesus, help me here. I'm not meaning to step on any toes is fine. Toes is fine. <laughs> But yet God steps on my toes, so why not spread the wealth? <laughs> we have to be careful when we say I'm believing something to make sure we're not saying I'm hoping for something. I'm not saying hoping for something is wrong. We just don't, our hope needs substance. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance of the things that are hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. So faith gives actual, tangible substance. I didn't say physical realm. I didn't say sense realm. But faith gives substance to my hope. I can hope Things are going to change. That's good. That's a start. But I need some substance before I enter into faith. And that substance only comes from the Word of God. My substance is not, see, I can say, man, I really hope that changes. I hope that changes. I hope it changes. But if I don't know what the Bible says, there's no way for me to enter into faith that it will change. Because God is only obligated to perform His Word, not my wishes. He's not obligated to, to, to perform my wants. He's not obligated to do that. But if I find that his word says that that is supposed to change, oh, now I can give substance to my hope, and it becomes more than just hope. We've got to make a decision. Everybody say a decision. Look what it says in James chapter 1. You can just go to your right a little bit in your Bibles if you want to follow along. James chapter 1. It says in verse 6, Talking about, verse 5 was asking for wisdom. Verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith. Everybody say in faith. Ask in faith. In faith. With no doubting. 
Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Let's read what the Bible says. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or woman suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord. Wow. Did you read that? So why will that person not receive anything from the Lord? Because of doubting. It says in verse 8, For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. This is why I say faith requires a decision. Because as long as I'm still under persuasion, then I still haven't decided what I believe. I'm still hoping. But God says, you're double-minded and unstable. That means sometimes you're in, sometimes you're out, you're all over the place. Sometimes I'm, I'm believing God, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm all totally off the radar. It's like you're unstable. God says, to be in faith, there has to be no doubting. Now, this used to trouble me. Because I'm like, Lord, that's impossible. It's impossible for me. It's impossible for me not to have doubts. So I, I guess I'm never going to get that scripture. He's like, study my word because I never say anything that's not true. So the word doubting there means to separate, withdraw from, to hold back in uncertainty or unwillingness to disengage. Let me say it again. Doubting means to separate, withdraw from, or disengage. Now let's put it back in the scripture. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, no withdrawing, no separating, no disengaging. He does not say anything about not having doubting thoughts. What he said is, ask in faith and do not disengage. Do not let go. Don't back up. Don't let up. I don't care what thoughts are coming through your mind, but ask in faith and do not back up. There's a difference in having doubting thoughts and letting go and saying it's not going to happen. I can have doubting thoughts and hang on. You ever water ski? Water skiing one time, and I was getting up on one ski, and it wasn't the most powerful boat. And I'm, I got some girth units. And going up on one ski, if you've ever water skied, getting up on one ski, it's a little harder to pop up out of the water. And I was, I was getting, and it was the first time they were trying to tell me. They said, hey, if you get up on one, it's going to be a little harder. You know, they, they're going to pull you, but you got, to, you got one job, and you got to hang on. And so they would go, and, man, it would pull against my hand, and it would get really hard. And, and then the rope would come, you know, come, come back around. So I was getting frustrated. got a little competitive edge just started coming over and said, I am not letting go. They will drag me all over this lake, but I will not let go. So I sat there and I drank water, but I would not let go. Eventually, my body popped up out of that water, but I had to endure 
some resistance. And what he's saying is, I'm not saying the pressure to let go won't be there, but ask in faith and do not disengage from what I told you. It is possible to ask with no doubting when I understand doubting is not my thoughts, my doubts are not my feelings, my my doubts are my will to stay engaged or not stay engaged. That's absolutely within our control. And God says, if you'll ask in faith and don't let go, you don't quit, you don't back up off of it, he says, I promise you, I'm going to come through for you. No doubting. we got to make a decision. Got to make a decision. Last one. Faith will require corresponding actions. Faith will require corresponding actions. If our actions do not line up with what we say we believe, then it is not faith. It may be a want, it may be a desire, but it is not faith. Let's look at uh, James chapter 2, look at verse 26. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You got it? James 2, 26. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead... So, likewise, faith without works is dead also. Let me ask you this. How dead is the body without a spirit? How how much function, what's going on with a body when there's no spirit in it? Is it getting a lot accomplished? Does it mow the yard very well? So a body without the spirit is ineffective, right? It's it's not doing anything, right? It's not accomplishing anything. It can't be productive. The same way faith without corresponding actions is dead. In other words, if I say this is what I'm believing God for, but my actions don't line up with it, my faith is dead. These are tough ones because we still want to gravitate towards if God wants it to happen, it will happen, and God's calling us into faith. He says the just shall live by... doesn't say the just shall live by the sovereignty of God. It says the just shall live by faith. God in his sovereignty has given us his word and he's giving us a currency of heaven. How come? I don't understand why we embrace this. We embrace that we must be saved through faith, unless you're Calvinistic and and you believe that God just does it for you. But most of the time people believe that they're saved by grace through faith, but everything else after that doesn't come by faith. It comes by just what God wants. And so because we embrace that theology, we don't engage our faith and we're not seeing the breakthrough that we're wanting in certain places because we don't realize that we've got to become persuaded, we've got to become convinced, we've got to become certain that what God says is more real than what I feel. That what God says is more real than what people say. What God says is what's more real than what I'm experiencing. Well, I don't know. It's just that it's been that way for so long. It's always going to be that way. It's always going to be that way. See, we're still talking from our feelings instead of talking from the Word of God. Faith will require corresponding actions. So now let's finish this up and go to Hebrews chapter 10 again. 
Let me finish here. So, verse 38, now the just shall live by what? By? Live by faith. What are the things that we gave you? Let me go through them real quick again. Just make sure you wrote them down right. Faith is a requirement for the believer to please God. Faith is believing without the validation of feelings or the sense realm. Faith will require a decision. Don't just hope. Make a decision. You're going to believe God. You're going to trust God. What the word says. Then faith will require corresponding actions. Look at verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is God talking through the writer of Hebrews, inspired by Holy Spirit. He's saying, those who draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. How many knows if God says, I don't like something, we probably ought to pay attention. And God is saying, modern day language, I don't like it when people do this. I don't like it. It's not my thing. I don't appreciate it. What is he saying? Verse 39. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Here's what I'm talking about in stamina today, and here's what I feel like God was speaking to me. We are not of those who draw back. What does it mean to draw back? I'm not talking about a bow, drawing back on a bow. Here's what the word draw back means in the Greek. It means shrink back, be timid, give up, stop doing something because of fear or difficult circumstances. Let's try it again. We are not of those who shrink back because God doesn't like those who draw back. God doesn't like people who do this, who shrink back or are timid or give up or stop doing something because they're afraid or because it's difficult. God takes no pleasure when we do that because God didn't make you and I to give up. God didn't make you and I to throw in the towel. He made us to have stamina to endure difficult seasons, to endure difficult feelings, difficult thoughts. Sometimes our stamina is uh, against our internal enemy, not anything anybody else. It's what's happening in between our own ears. But God's saying we're not of those who draw back. We're not like those. So there, there is a group that's timid that's going to shrink back and they'll give up. But he's saying, we're not like that. And I felt like God is saying that to us here. Saying, listen, we're not like those who draw back. We're not like those who give up. We're not like those who are timid. We're not like those that are worrying, wondering what everybody else is saying. We are like those that are holding on and not letting go. No matter how long it takes, no matter how hard it is, we're not going to let go. He said, this is who you are. This is the stamina we need in our walk with God. In order to walk by faith, we need to be able to endure adverse circumstances. And we need stamina. Stamina. There's, we need, need to have some longevity that I can do this longer than a week. I can do this longer than a month. I can do it over the long haul. God's wanting to put stamina in us to be able to endure difficult seasons. So I don't know what you're going through, but I know this. No matter what you're going through, God is saying you have what, enough in you to be able to endure it. Let me give you verse 39 in a paraphrase. Here's what it feel like it means to me. We are not of those who through fear or timidity shrink back and stop pursuing what Jesus died to give us, but we are convinced and persuaded to take the actions necessary to possess, experience, and preserve everything that Jesus acquired for us in this life and in eternity. Yeah. 
Rhodes Church, this is who we are of. We're not of those who shrink back. We're of those who grab hold and don't let go. We are of those who walk by faith and not by sight. We are of those who have the right source, an internal source. We have the right scope, an eternal scope. And we also have the stamina that no matter what comes against us, we will endure. I'm telling you, difficult times are coming in the, in the future, but look what God is doing in the earth in the midst of difficult circumstances. The Spirit of God is moving in greater measure. Be prepared. It's going to increase here more and more for the glory of God. But with that, we've got to be able to endure. We like the glory. We just don't want the adversity. Guess what? They don't come separate. It's a package deal. Because just because God is moving doesn't mean the devil gives up. Just because God is moving doesn't mean uh, opposition is just going to wane. Look, look what's happening. I, I went yesterday and watched the Jesus Revolution movie. And even with the Asbury revival, notice the amount of opposition that came to Asbury, not from the world, from the church. that Christians were criticizing Asbury and beginning to nitpick and pick it apart and say, it wasn't this, it wasn't this, it wasn't that, that's not happening, that's, we need more. I always have a special place in my heart for skeptics. And I usually have to repent of that place <laughs> and move them to another place. Because oftentimes people that are not doing anything themselves take it upon themselves to have an occupation of criticizing what others are doing. And what happened with the Asbury Revival, people that's not having any revival, not hosting a more accurate move of God, begin to criticize this move of God because they know better. If they would come upon an actual move of God, they would know what to do, but they will let you know when they actually see one. But I'm telling you, we've got to be careful. Even when watching the Jesus Revolution and then people start talking about all the issues and start criticizing it and, and saying it's uh, promoting the LGBTQ and, and all this, I'm like, what, what movie did you watch? I'm sitting there in tears through most of the movie. Because I'm relating to the pastor, Kramer. That's all I know him as, sorry. <laughs> Growing up. Kelsey Grammer, that's his name. Uh, I'm relating to him. Because many people don't have any idea what that man was going through. To stand there and have to make a decision between something different, uncomfortable, Uncertain, but yet drawing and steady, known, consistent, but dead. And in, by the grace of God, he chose to take a risk and allowed those hippies to come into the church, bringing issues bringing humanity 
bringing trouble, but bringing the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, if you're going to host the presence of God, you have to be ready that things are going to happen outside of your comfort zone. I've been saying it for quite some time. We've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You've got to be ready. Who are, I just began to weep and I said, Lord, who are the hippies of our day that you're wanting to bring into the church to breathe fresh life? I said, Lord, bring them. Bring them. Bring them to Mount Carmel. Bring them to Carlinville. Bring them to North City. Bring Bring the hippies, Lord. You're like, hey, easy, easy. <laughs> but here's what I loved. I loved about the decision is that the, the dichotomy of it is that you're embracing something that you want everyone to support, but not everyone will. Not everybody's going to be on board with your decisions. Not everybody's going to support. And some people are going to choose to walk out that door instead of embracing a move of God. Because it goes outside of their comfort zone. I, I, it's amazing the timing of these things because I dealt with this a little bit Monday as I was a little bit becoming overwhelmed with thoughts and internal pressure from, from this last month and, and hearing voices of people that were uh, um, discouraged or upset about some of the things we did trying to honor diversity and race. And I was, I was um, how was I? I was processing yeah, I was processing to the point of frustration. I was processing to the point of, of being very upset. And I, I was like, okay, so I started having thoughts. These weren't God's thoughts. These were just thoughts. I don't know if they were from the enemy or what, but there were thoughts coming into my head. That's like, you know what? If, if just trying to bring some acknowledgement to different color and culture and celebrating diversity, if that's going to create such a buzz that people don't like that, Lord, I got other options. Take me somewhere where acknowledging different color is welcomed and celebrated. Get me out of this type of issue. I'm just externally processing what I felt. And then um, the Lord always, that always happens internally, but then I always go back to, but Jesus, I'll do whatever you want. I don't say I always do that. Let's, that would be a little bit egregious, but I want to do that. That would be more accurate. But in this case, I said, Lord, but I'll do whatever you want. I will stay here, but I need your grace to help me because I'm a little frustrated with this. Because here's what happens. Just because, just like Kelsey Grammer had to make that decision, you know, there was a time when I brought, uh, had Randy Clark come to our church years and years ago for the first time, and, and Randy's coming next Sunday, so get ready. It's going to be powerful. And, but Randy came, and, and we had a move of God, and people started getting prayed for, and people started shaking under the power of God. And it was a little bit shaky. And I remember standing over here watching someone shake on the floor so violently. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It looked like they were plugged up to 220. I mean, they were just shaking. It reminded me of that old football game, the electronic football game where they vibrate and the players go all over. You got the little cotton ball. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My age is, talk to me, Jeff. You know. So anyway, I, they were doing that. And I, I felt like, Lord, what is that? And so I had people come up to me and say, all that stuff that went on, that was not of God. You need to put a stop to that. And I'm like, well, part of me kind of agrees. I wasn't too comfortable with that. But I'm not sure 
I'm just going to pray about it. So I, I went and prayed. I said, Lord, is, was that you? That's a little weird. I'm not sure. Was that, was that you? Yeah. I felt like it was. So I, I said, you know, I feel like this is God. And they said, no, it's not. I know the Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit. That doesn't bear witness to my spirit. So that is not of God. I'm like, I know, but I just, I got to make the call. I think it's him. They're out. No, no ill will. I just had to make a call. When I made the call that we're coming back to church on Pentecost Sunday in 2020, we're opening back up. I was a Republican Trump supporter. And when I preach against homosexuality or against abortion, I'm just a closed-minded, conservative Republican. We need a more progressive pastor. We spend a good part of the month honoring and celebrating diversity, welcoming cultures. Now I'm woke. Republican, conservative, Trump supporter, and woke. It's a tough combination. I say that to say I was so moved by that movie yesterday when I was watching it that I said, Lord Jesus, come what may. I'm going to come up out of the water. I'm going to hang on. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to quit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm hanging on Jesus. I'm hanging on Jesus. Let the fire of God come. Let revival come. Shake us all up to the core. Shake us all up, God. For your glory, Jesus. Because listen, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Now, now listen, Chad. Okay, so we're, we're praying a lot and we're asking Holy Spirit to move and, and we're having services where we don't get to the official sermon. And we get to other sermons. And, and so now people are like, listen here, Chad. I mean, it's 1207. I'm, I'm coming to hear you talk. I'm begging you, do not come to hear me talk. Come for Jesus. I'm committed. I'm all in. That I want, what, you guys can be seated. Sorry, the people behind you are sitting down. You don't even know. I love our church. I love our church. I, I saw 72 people come for prayer last night. Hungry for a move of God. What we're doing here, what we're seeing is not about the Rhodes Church. It's not about me. It's, it's about the wind of heaven blowing. I believe Holy Spirit is like oil and like water. Neither one of those are fixed positional objects or elements. They flow. They bend and curve. And, and rigid, solid structures don't go well 
with oil and water and allowing them to flow. They inhibit them and restrict them. And, and I'm asking, Lord, I want oil on my life. I want oil on your life. I want the Holy Spirit to flow in your life, that it will just be wherever he's going, whatever he's saying, that is what we will do. Why? Because I'm telling you, people are driving. I talked to a friend. He's driving 90 miles one way to church here. 90. Some people won't drive nine. I told our lead team, I said, Tuesday, oh, Jesus. We've got people driving from Olney. I'm from Albion. I know the home of the white squirrel. I know how far it is. <laughs> They're driving down for prayer on Saturday, driving back home and coming back on Sunday for church. Effingham, Olney, from other places. And, you know, maybe I know other people are driving. I'm just using those two as the examples. And I told our lead team, I said, don't let anyone in our church out-hunger us. What happens, the problem with leadership is they come to a place of entitlement. That they say the people need to do this stuff. I said, not on our watch. We will be the most hungry. We will be the ones that's wanting more of God. We will just sit back and say, well, you let, I'm not satisfied with church normalcy. I want more of God. Yeah. 25 years into it. Getting ready this month will be 17 years of pastoring this church. Another eight years of preaching at this church prior to that. 25 years, a quarter of a century, and I am hungrier now than I've ever been for more of God. Our world, our nation wants something that's more than just some songs and a talk and get me out for chicken. They want more than that. They're, all those kids, all those hippies were flocking to this place. Why? Because it was different, because God was there. They were telling their hippie friends, come, I don't know what's going on, but there's something about it, that's what I want. I want people coming in not saying a peep about Chad. I may not even be here at the day, at the time. I may not even be speaking, but they come in and they say, God is here. That's all that matters. All that matters. So I'm saying to the Rhodes Church, we got to have some stamina. I feel God preparing us for a move of God. I feel it in my heart. I feel we're on the brink. We need to be preparing if you're not into that whole, I mean, I, I'm, we're going after him. And I don't even know what it's going to look like. I, 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 I'm not prepared. I can say I'm prepared until it happens. And I'm like, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I'm going to be very upfront, very transparent. I'm, I'm humbly seeking God and asking him for wisdom because I want our hearts to be right first and foremost. And that we won't put our hand on the ark. Some of you will beg me to put my hand on the ark to make it comfortable. And I'm telling you, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it to make myself feel comfortable. I don't want to do it so that we can get back to normal. I don't want any more normal. 
I want something that people are driving hundreds of miles to come get to, and it's not me. It's the glory of God. I want something that causes teenagers to run to an altar, weep, and give their life to Jesus. It won't be a special talk. It will be a presence. It will be an anointing that they will say, the king is here. The king is here. I want something that college-age kids, just like in that movie, that college-age kids are, are leaving dope trips and, and getting off of acid and, and getting away from drugs and alcohol and say, I want something different. It's not going to be mom and dad's religious service. It's going to be something burning on the inside of them that they walk in, they say, I don't know what this is, but it's real. I can feel him. I, I sense his presence. This is the heart of heaven. This is the direction we're going. And I just say, hang on. We may take on some water. We may have some issues. There's a great Bible verse that says, where, the, uh, where there is no ox, the stable is clean. You know what that means? Do you need me to draw that out for you? Huh? Come on. Can I please draw that out for you? I just feel it. I feel it. <laughs> I'm wanting to do a lot of stuff right here, but I'm just, hold back, hold back. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for restraint. My humor is not always widely accepted. So when you have a move of God, you're going to have some mess to scoop up. So you can either have, hey, we got no mess in our church. No controversial things are happening. Everything's totally smooth and dead. I would rather have some fire and some move of God with some issues that we got to navigate and clean up and you know, aisle four, we'll sweep that up, we'll get that. But we've got the fire of God, people are coming for him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.